Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company and our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mystery the Aluminium Dagger by R. Austin Freeman Read by Perry F. Bruns To tell the truth, I was now little less perplexed than the office boy by Thorndyke's proceedings in which I could discover no relevancy to the investigation that I presumed he was engaged upon, and the last straw was laid upon the burden of my curiosity when he stopped at a staircase window, drew the note out of his pocket, examined it with his lens, held it up to the light, and chuckled aloud. Luck, he observed, though no substitute for care and intelligence, is a very pleasant addition. Really, my learned brother, we are doing uncommonly well. When we reached the hall, Thorndyke stopped in at the housekeeper's box and looked in with a genial nod. I have just been up to see Mr. Barlow, said he. He seems to have left quite early. Yes, sir, the man replied. He went away about half past eight. That was very early, and presumably he came earlier still. 
I suppose so, the man assented with a grin. But I only just come on when he left. Had he any luggage with him? Yes, sir, there was two cases, a square one and a long narrow one about five feet long. I helped him carry them down to the cab. Which was a four-wheeler, I suppose. Yes, sir. Mr. Barlow hasn't been here very long, has he? Thorndyke inquired. No, he only came in last quarter day about six weeks ago. Ah, well, I must call another day. Good morning. And Thorndyke strode out of the building and made directly for the cab rack in the adjoining street. Here he stopped for a minute or two to parley with the driver of a four-wheeler cab, whom he finally commissioned to convey us to a shop in New Oxford Street. Having dismissed the cabman with his blessing and half a sovereign, he vanished into the shop, leaving me to gaze at the lathes, drills, and bars of metal displayed in the window. Presently he emerged with a small parcel and explained in answer to my inquiring look, a strip of tool steel and a block of metal for Poulton. His next purchase was rather more eccentric. We were proceeding along Holborn when his attention was suddenly arrested by the window of a furniture shop, in which was displayed a collection of obsolete French small-arms relics of the tragedy of 1870, which were being sold for decorative purposes. After a brief inspection, he entered the shop and shortly reappeared carrying a long sword bayonet and an old chassepot rifle. After a late lunch, I hurried out to transact such of my business as had been interrupted by the stirring events of the morning, leaving Thorndyke busy with a drawing board, square, scale, and compasses, making accurate scale drawings from his rough sketches, while Poulton, with the brown paper parcel in his hand, looked on at him with an air of anxious expectation. As I was returning homeward in the evening by way of Mitre Court, I overtook Mr. Marchmont, who was also bound for our chambers, and we walked on together. I had a note from Thorndyke, he explained, asking for a specimen of handwriting, so I thought I would bring it along myself and hear if he has any news. When we entered the chambers, we found Thorndyke in earnest consultation with Poulton, and on the table before them I observed to my great surprise the dagger with which the murder had been committed. I have got you the specimen that you asked for, said Marchmont. I didn't think I should be able to, but by a lucky chance Curtis had kept the only letter he ever received from the party in question. He drew a letter from his wallet and handed it to Thorndyke. Thorndyke looked at it attentively and with evident satisfaction. By the way, said Marchmont, taking up the dagger, I thought the inspector took this away with him. He took the original, replied Thorndyke. This is a duplicate which Poulton has made for experimental purposes from my drawings. Really? exclaimed Marchmont with a glance of respectful admiration at Poulton. It is a perfect replica, and you have made it so quickly, too. It was quite easy to make, said Poulton, to a man accustomed to work in metal, which, added Thorndyke, is a fact of some evidential value. A moment later, rapid footsteps were heard on the stairs. There was a furious battering at the door, and as Poulton threw it open, Mr. Curtis burst wildly into the room. Here is a frightful thing, Marchmont, he gasped. Edith, my daughter, arrested for the murder. Inspector Badger came to our house and took her. My God, I shall go mad! Thorndyke laid his hand on the excited man's shoulder. "'Don't distress yourself, Mr. Curtis,' said he. "'There is no occasion, I assure you. "'I suppose,' he added, "'your daughter is left-handed.' "'Yes, she is, by a most disastrous coincidence. "'But what are we to do? "'Good God! "'Dr. Thorndyke, they've taken her to prison. "'To prison! "'Think of it! "'My poor Edith!' "'We'll soon have her out,' said Thorndyke. "'But listen, there is someone at the door.' A brisk rat-tat confirmed his statement, and when I rose to open the door, 
I found myself confronted by Inspector Badger. There was a moment of extreme awkwardness, and then both the detective and Mr. Curtis proposed to retire in favor of the other. Don't go, Inspector, said Thorndyke. I want to have a word with you. Thank you, detectives, for listening to tonight's Calm Mystery by the Murder Mystery Company. I'm Perry F. Bruns. Would you like to show somebody you care? Is there a mystery fan in your life? Couldn't they use a quiet moment and a great story? I'm doing personal stories of 20 minutes or less. Something personal like this can make a friend or family member feel truly loved in an otherwise dark time. They're only $49, and you can email me at calmmystery, that's C-A-L-M mystery, at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay tuned for more tales to tingle and terrify while giving you a needed break from the outside world. <laughs>